Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Football Absurdity Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco, and I'm here, as always, with my co-hosts, Evan Hoobler and Mike Valverde. Mike, how's your day going so far? It's going all right. Uh, watching some week six football, trying to finally catch up so I can start watching week seven and week seven. Oh, man. You're, uh, you're, uh, uh, how many games you got left for week six? Uh, I have six. Six. Well, I'm, I'm almost done with the Carolina game. Um, I'm in the starting the fourth quarter in that game, and I think it's like five after that. Oh wow. Okay, not so bad. Um, but hopefully you'll you'll be caught up by week sixteen, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that's the goal. That is that's, the. That's the idea. Uh, Evan, how are you doing today? It sounded like you had a pretty slow day from what we were talking about. Yeah, right. Never. Today I watched the teacher attempt to guide twenty nine seven year olds virtually through a series of apps for standardized testing that include granting admin access and titty and passwords. And then I said, wow, that, that was a bloodbath. Let me check out Fantasy, where I'm sure things are going normal. And there was an even bigger bloodbath. Yeah, I just found out that both the 49er safeties are out for the game this weekend. That's great. It, today's bloodbath Friday. Every day is bloodbath day for the 49ers, baby. We put our center on IR yesterday. Um, what else happened? Uh, there was some other thing that happened. Every day is bloodbath. Every day is bloodbath Friday for a 49ers fan. But we got a bunch of injuries today. We'll go over those when we get to those for the game. And um, so if this is your first episode, what we do in this podcast is on Fridays, we take a look back at Thursday Night Football, and then we take a look forward at the weekend slate. And what we do is instead of saying, hey, you should start player X or player Y, we go ahead and we um, say what we're looking for. In, in that particular game, and that kind of teaches you what to look for, what might matter, what might not matter. And uh, just so everybody knows, we are aware um, there's a guy, a certain wide receiver, a certain AB84, who um, we have a rule about if this is your first episode. We are not talking about him or discussing him or saying his name until he is actually on a roster. He is eligible to come off after week eight because the NFL decided rules are made up and don't matter. But we are aware that we didn't forget about that. We just have rule about not caring until he's actually on a roster well and yeah i mean we, we could speculate all day long about where he's gonna go and then he ends up on some other team that we didn't speculate or we speculate a team that he goes to that you know it, it's just a mess so why even talk about something when you have 32 teams 32 different offensive systems and try to guess which which team this guy's even going to tell he actually lands on a team and then we can, you know, give the information that's needed from there. Yeah, then we can worry about it. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's what we do on this podcast. And we'll go ahead. Let's start it off with getting the housekeeping out of the way. This podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. So FanDuel is the, I mean, it's my favorite daily fantasy sports site. It's the one that I use. It's the one we use for our daily fantasy competition at the end of the episode. And uh, if you want to go ahead and check it out, you can go to FanDuel.com slash football absurdity and uh you will get a 20% match with deposit up to $500. And it does help us out a lot. It lets uh, them know that uh, we sent you. We're also brought to you by 4 for 4. Promo code BEERSHEETS gets you 25% off your annual subscription. 
want the companion to this episode, it's on Patreon, patreon.com slash footballabsurdity. It does come out on Tuesdays, unless they rejigger the whole schedule to play where they play on Tuesday, in which case it comes out on Wednesday. That does get you access to a patrons-only channel in the Discord. Discord is tiny.cc slash fbabsurdity. You do not have to be a member of Patreon to join that Discord uh, to join the discussion. Again, tiny.cc slash fbabsurdity. So, who... did you guys actually watch the game last night, or were you, did you have a better use of your time? I picked up a few players so I could actually not fall asleep during it. Mike, what about you? Yeah, I had Travis Fulgham uh, oh. in my home league, so I decided to watch it. Um, and yeah, I, I watched I watched pretty much the whole game. Yeah, I I did too, more or less. I was I was dual screening that and the debates because I love pain. Um, so it was, uh, it was, uh, just two, two opposing sides futilely bashing against each other and also Thursday night football. Got him. So uh, <laughs> Thursday night football, uh, if I don't think I said it, it was giants, Eagles, Eagles, 22 giants, 21, um, in a game that, uh, the Eagles came back and won this one in the fourth quarter. Um, and, uh, in this game, uh, Evan, you your question was, will Fulgham go full ham? And you kind of picked him up just to, uh, uh, I guess, have a question that you cared about. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, he didn't go full ham, but he looked the part. He looked like, okay, you figured it out, you've gotten it. He had he was targeted eleven times, so that's great. Kind of mm-hmm. like five, but seventy-three yards. Decent fantasy day, but even more importantly, that's three straight games of, of uh, double-digit targets that he's he's entered into the offense, and probably even if that offense manages to get healthy this uh, this season sometime, he should stick around for at least deeper fantasy purposes. Yeah, the the guy who we named the player, you know, the term for the entire roster collapsing around you and you being the last one standing, he might've won the competition. Um, Deshaun Jackson got hurt again last night because he's 32 years old coming off injury and he's returning punts. So it's really smart of you, Doug Peterson, Uh, smart of the giants to do a bunch of cheap shots too, to injure him, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Mike, you wanted to know about these running games and the giants running game fell on its face uh, figuratively (laughs) and literally. (laughs) It, it sure did. Uh, Daniel Jones got a little bit ahead of himself, and I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it was uh, an 80 yard, and then add 10 more that he he you know he collapsed before the finish line, so he would have had a 90 yard uh, run all to himself. Uh, he ended up with 92 yards on four carries. Most of it, of course, was that turf monster run out of gas, chest in front of the knees, just. Uh, collapse uh, but other than that it really wasn't at all uh, Gallman uh, at the end of the game looked like nobody could stop him I mean he was running over players and and just uh, spinning and making moves but in the end 10 carries for 34 yards and his touchdown so that's you know not not all that great Boston Scott wasn't really good at all until the last catch of the game to put the Eagles ahead. Mm-hmm. He only had 12 carries for 46 yards. Uh, so, yeah, overall, the running games were abysmal. Uh, so, yeah, you could have easily just avoided the whole thing there. Yeah, and, um, yeah, this is uh, Daniel Jones's first multiple touchdown game since week one. 
Uh, so I'm not buying into it even with the, I mean, you saw the 90 yard or 80 yard non touchdown run. You kind of saw the best case scenario for any Daniel Jones game. Uh, he had a nasty fumble cause, uh, what was his name? Andrew Thomas, their left tackle. I always yeah. forget which. I know there was like four left tackles at the top of this draft. And I always forget which one, which ones went where I only remember Mackay Becton went to the jets. That's all I remember. Um, yeah, he, he got Daniel Jones killed, but then Daniel Jones fumbled it. Um, Richard Rogers, I guess, uh, if you went flow chart on it for the Zach Ertz role, that's been getting, you know, at least six targets pretty much every single game, six for 85. Um, hey, that's that's probably enough this week unless we get a lot of tight end touchdowns to be top 10 tight ends. So if you streamed him, good for you. Um, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside showed up. There's that. He had one catch for eight yards <laughs> on his one target. And guys, can somebody please explain to me, Hakeem Butler's, the 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 goal line corner fade that was his first snap in the nfl on offense and they're throwing him in there for a touchdown pass and it was it was maybe holding but i mean come on you, you got to get a guy warmed up a little bit before throwing him in there for a potential touchdown maybe he just got really excited maybe i mean it was his first and it was first snap run him you know have him out there run blocking or something for a few snaps first. Don't have him run a, a you know, a potential game difference touchdown play uh, as his first first snap in the in the NFL. But hey, I think it was his only snap, so he's a uh, he's got a hundred percent hog tar- uh, hog rating. So there is that, you know, targeted on a hundred percent of his snaps in the NFL through two years. That's not bad. <laughs> it's bad that it's only one snap. Um, Evan Ingram, what are we doing about Evan Ingram, guys? Six for 46, nine targets, had a massive, massive drop in this one. Got a couple end arounds. Um, that was kind of weird. One went for seven yards, one went for negative four yards. So that worked out pretty well, that second one. Um, what are we doing with uh, Evan Ingram? And then also, what are we doing with Devonta Freeman? Uh, three rushes, eight yards, he got hurt. Did Did Wayne Gallman take over, or is this just fool's gold? No, I don't think Wayne Gallman took over at all. I think this is still Freeman's uh, backfield, but it's going to be split up anyways. I mean, it's going to be split up and diced up between Lewis and Gallman and Freeman. I think Freeman will still get the majority of of the carries, though. Uh, As far as Ingram, you know, I'll I'll call these guys, these these tight ends, Ricky Dudley. Um, (laughs) these, these, These players that, and I know you have to go a long way back to know who Ricky Dudley is, but... Basically, Ricky Dudley was a Raiders tight end that they picked in the first round, I believe. And he had all this athletic skill, looked wonderful on tape, did these marvelous things, and then just couldn't put it out on the field. Ingram just looks like one of those players where a David Njoku, you know, you, you have all this athletic ability and can do these marvelous things. But when it comes down to it, you're just not performing. And... I mean, it's hard to say, okay, do you get rid of Evan Ingram? Because if you look at, like, just the consistency charts of tight ends this year, it, outside of Travis Kelsey, it's a complete mess. So It's all over the place, yeah. It is. It is completely all over the place. So do you want to give get rid of a sure thing like Evan Ingram you, where you know he's going to be the tight end for the Giants every single week that he's healthy? For someone that, you know, surprises you one week, but does nothing for three, four weeks. You, you know what I mean? So I, I'd i say you just keep with whatever tight ends you came in with because uh, 
it, it, it's 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 a mess, and you're gonna have bad weeks among um, mostly mostly bad weeks with some good weeks. Uh, and so why why get rid of something to get why basically why get garbage and bring in garbage? It just doesn't make any sense to me. It's a matter of whether or not you enjoy streaming or it stresses you out. And I think that really polarizes uh, the fantasy community. Some people like sticking with it. They don't like they they over they don't like overthinking things that they can't really control. Other people like me, for instance, I'm like, ooh, you know what? Instead of starting Evan Ingram next week in this league, the uh, Darren Fells. Might come up if uh, Aikens still gets the concussion. If Hooper uh, can't recover from that appendicitis that they just announced him from today. Uh, and Joku, that sounds like fun, you know. Uh, so for me, I'm going. I would rather put it in my, the new garbage. Uh, uh, what, what did, what did, oh, what did Doris Day say? When I have to face two evils, I always choose the one I never did before. But if that stresses you out, you do you. It's going to be the same. Like Mike said, it's going to be the same garbage either way. Yeah, so it does feel a little bit of te- deck chairs on the Titanic, and you know, um, you, you could end up in a situation where instead of trying to bank on Logan or uh, Evan Ingram every week, you're banking on Logan Thomas every week, and that's not the position you want to be in. Um, it's the same position, but with less upside talent-wise. And um, Mike, another guy to throw on that pile, I think so far in his career, you mentioned these highly athletic guys that don't put it together. Uh, O.J. Howard. He flashed for about six or seven games, but he's been on and off IR and hasn't really done much in his career so far. So, yeah, there's we get we get caught up and we get stars in our eyes about measurables. And maybe Mike Gesicki's one of these guys, too. Who knows Um, where we get so caught up in what they did at the combine that we forget who they are as players in the NFL. I think that's it. I think the Giants passing game is about to get really ugly with the return of Sterling Shepard. Uh, six for eight, 59 yards and a touchdown. Took Darius Slayton, put him all the way on the bench. Two for 23, four targets. Uh, com- uh, Golden Tate had a hell of a catch. He wrestled it away from the opposing defender and just took off from him. So that was a that was a good uh, welcome back to uh, some sort of relevance, Golden Tate, for this week. But other than that, I mean, this game was hideous. It was an ugly game. These Thursday night football. Thursday night football matchups are not what we're looking for um, so far this year. I mean, yeah. I mean, but, and then you, it's like how many – since week one, these matchups have been, you know, one and five versus two and four. Uh, they, there's nothing really – I mean, you had Cincinnati and Cleveland one time, and you had I, – I can't remember all the other ones, but they're like matching up really bad teams in hopes that – these really bad teams will be, you know, make at least a competitive game. But when you have two bad teams, you're going to get two, you know, bad football. Yeah, it's it's that's exactly what it is. Is it's it's Thursday night football already has a a built in. I did articles for two years Thursday night farce ball because it was already a mess because these teams aren't prepared for this game. You know, for some of these guys, uh, it's. If you really think about it, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's three days, full days since they last played. So it's it's a kind of a headache, and and it's bad football, and then you put two bad teams in there, and it's just it doesn't it doesn't bode well. Um, next week is Falcons Panthers. Week after that, depending on how healthy they are, Packers Niners might be a good one. Um, but it's just that's in week nine. But it's just these games, just Colts Titans. Ugh, who would want to watch either one of those teams? <laughs> hey now <laughs> hey, cardinal seahawks that one might be good but then we get texans lions oh that's that's thanksgiving though 
So that one, that one gets a, that one gets a pass being on Thanksgiving. I was like, why are they putting the lion? Oh, it's, it's Thanksgiving. Yeah, I was gonna say that sounds like a weird matchup. Yeah, that's the, uh, the uh, sacrificial goat. Everybody's getting to their uh, Thanksgiving Day festivities game. You know, wrestling with the kids to, to not watch the Macy's Day parade. But it's kind of presumptuous of us that we're gonna get to a week 12, given what's going on with the, the COVID situation. Getting a little bit worse around the league. We had some uh, some crazy benchings this week because of COVID. So we'll get Go into Raiders. those. Yeah. To COVID list. All of the Raiders. Go home. <laughs> Isolate. COVID is an autumn wind. Or what is it? The autumn wind is a COVID? <laughs> uh, so why don't we go ahead. Let's get into the games for this week, guys. So I went in and I rearranged the podcast notes with the Raiders getting dumped off of Sunday Night Football. So I'm not going to get tricked. Everything's going to be okay. I'm not going to stumble over anything. So let's go ahead. Let's start with the first game on the docket. Detroit at Atlanta. Detroit is two and three. Atlanta one and five. Uh, they are 55 and a half point. I'm sorry. This is a 55 over under Atlanta. Two and a half point favorites. I am off to a great start. And in this one, uh, Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, was limited with a knee injury this week, but he should play. And I use play very loosely. Uh, because he has not done much this year. Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones for the Falcons missed Wednesday's practices with hamstrings, were limited on Thursday, and have no injury designation for the game this weekend. I think they're just managing reps for both Calvin and Julio because they saw what Matt Ryan looks like without you know one of them being on the field. So in this matchup, um, Evan, you're looking for a guy that I've been kind of fielding questions on, and I wrote a start sit on him this week. Uh, does DeAndre Swift have a good day? I have your start sit open, actually. It's start or sit Justin Jackson, DeAndre Swift, or Le'Veon Bell in Fantasy Football Week 7. And here's the deal. After their bye last week, it looks like they were ready to turn on the DeAndre Swift Jets. He almost had as many carries. He had double-digit carries. Mm-hmm. Uh, only a few fewer than uh, Adrian Peterson, and and I'm just I'm just quoting Jeff here, y'all. So uh, the Falcons uh, have given up the second most receptions and second most yards to running backs in the league. So Swift, his worst case scenario is pass catching back. So that's a, a definite start. I, I, I've he's been climbing up my rankings in terms of whom I need to bench, especially with the COVID news. This week, I've got some very, some very interesting decisions that I didn't have in the past because I was like, well, I'll just wait till DeAndre Swift uh, boosts, you know, pops out. You know, like I do, I pick a few players and I go, okay, somewhere down the line, I'll reevaluate them. Well, that somewhere is now, or rather, is here. There we go, nailed it. So yeah, DeAndre Swift, this he, he might, he looks poised to continue the magic from last week. Yeah, I think he's in a good position as well. Um, I got a question today about uh, McKinnon, Swift, Lev Bell, Justin Jackson, and David Johnson. I said they had to pick three. I said, well, David Johnson, number one, he's guaranteed volume against a good opponent, good matchup in what should be a shootout. Number two, Justin Jackson. And then three, it was hard to say DeAndre Swift over Jeb McKinnon, but I did it. And Lev Bell, there's this rumor that he might not even be active for the game this week because they're trying to ease him in. So that's a hard one to do. But, um, I mean, Jarek McKinnon or DeAndre Swift, how would you guys go? DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I mean, after what we saw from Swift last week, I think he's mm-hmm. he's prone for more 
more volume this week. Uh, I, I I still think Adrian Peterson leads that backfield, but you know you know Swift is going to get a good amount of passes going towards him, and I think this his volume of carries is going to go up. And I I don't even know if McKinnon is going to be even handed the ball. So I yeah I think I'd go Swift. Plus the uh, 49ers go up against Bill Belichick and they're hobbled. Bill Belichick is just he's he's ready to pounce on this wounded gazelle here, whereas the uh, Lions go up against Atlanta's defense, which might as well just be a bunch of air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they might as well be literal Falcons. The Atlanta might as well be. So, um, yeah, what about the other two guys? Uh, I mean, David Johnson, he's in a whole different group. But uh, Justin Jackson or DeAndre Swift? DeAndre Swift. Uh-huh. Uh, Justin I, I... Jackson gets the Chargers. You know, I, I think I'm going to go with Justin Jackson on this one. I they seem to have him as the lead role uh, in that in that backfield. So I'm looking at both being pretty identical to each other, where uh, Jackson is getting more of the lead role, even though he has competition. And if it gets down to the goal line, Jackson's not going to get the get the run, but neither is DeAndre Swift. So. Mm-hmm. It's almost a coin flip. I think it's really close. You'd probably go either way, but I'd lean towards Jackson. Yeah, it's very close for me, and I could, I I'm leaning Jackson. That's probably endowment. Um, not uh, yeah, it's endowment uh syndrome, or is it endowment effect? Where I have Justin Jackson in a bunch of places, I don't really have DeAndre Swift, and so I see Justin Jackson as being more valuable as DeAndre Swift. It's something I'm trying to be more cognizant of, but um, I do acknowledge it is a coin flip. And um, I think you know Justin Jackson had 20 touches last week in his first full game this whole year, so I'll I'll lean into that um, since matchup isn't going to be a problem with either of them. But uh, but Mike, you wanted to know in this one about. Uh, a couple Matt's button heads, Stafford versus Ryan. Who is the going to be the Alley Matt Award winner for this week? Patent pending, trademark, Jeff Crisco, copyright. <laughs> um, as we've talked a little bit already, the Falcons are horrid against the pass. They've allowed three or more touchdowns in four of their six games. And every single contest, they have allowed at least 300 yards passing. They are dead last against quarterbacks in fantasy football. Uh, and the Lions are not much better, uh, ranking 24th. Uh, I, I think Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan are both startable, and I'd be surprised if either one of them didn't finish in at least the, the top 12 of quarterbacks. Yeah, this one, I this, earlier this week I put on Twitter, I said, I have not, before I put this document together, I said, I have not looked at the over-under for Detroit and Atlanta but I don't know what number it would be before I would say, okay, definitely take the under on that. This one has shootout written all over it. Two not very good defenses. The lines have gotten better with Jeff Okuda, but still not that great. You know, Jeff Okuda can't cover Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones and Russell Gage and Hayden Hurst on every play. You know, at which point would you guys take the under? I said maybe 63 and a half I would take the under. This one feels like monstrous to me. I think anything under 60, I'd probably take the under on. Um, I, I I like I like 55, which it's at 55, 57. Um, but yeah, 60, I definitely feel secure with the under. 
Yeah, I, I just I just feel like one team in this game is going to score at least 40 points, maybe 35. And, that you know, that's only you know, four touchdowns from the – I don't know. It just feels like a massive – this one's going to be a huge shootout, it feels like. So I'm taking the under – or I'm sorry, the over on 55 points in this one. All right, next one up. Uh, we got an AFC North matchup. The Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals and injuries in this one. Evan alluded to it. Austin Hooper has appendicitis. I think he's actually getting the appendix removed. So he has been ruled out for Sunday. He mentioned David Njoku as a potential pivot here against the Bengals. Uh, there are some people getting galaxy brained and saying um, Bryant. I believe it's Harrison Bryant is the one they ended up with. There are two H Bryants in this draft class, and I always forget which is which. Um, but I'm not getting that galaxy brained on it. For the Bengals, Joe Mixon was ruled out with the foot problem. Everybody on Twitter was going, he'll play, he'll play, he'll play, he'll play, right up until the second they said, all right, he's not going to play. So you'll probably want to fire up your Giovanni Bernards with the understanding that Cleveland does have a pretty good run defense. So uh, you might want to temper expectations. But Gio Bernard in the games that Joe Mixon has missed has been uh, RB5 on average. And so that's kind of gives me all the push I need to fire up my Giovanni Bernards wherever I'm in a pinch. So um, you guys both want to know about the quarterbacks. So uh, Evan, we'll start with you. Or sorry, Mike, we'll start with you. We started with Evan last time. Is Joe Burrow back in the top 12 after having a pretty rough time last time out? Yeah. The, uh, against the Steelers, he, he only put up like seven fantasy points. It was mm-hmm. just awful. Um and, you know, he has not been a top 12 quarterback since week two. And if you guys remember right, the team he played in week two was Cleveland. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, in that contest, he threw three touchdowns, 316, 316 yards. He finished as a QB eight on the week. Uh, so I'm, it's going to be hard for him to finish in the top 12, but. He's always around that anyways. He's usually like a top 14. Um, so he's always sort of circling that nest area. If he gets a couple of touchdowns and does what he did in week two, you know, he'll definitely be in the top 12. And then just on the season right now, Burrow is a QB 16. Okay. Yeah. And it's uh, is this the first matchup of the year or rematch of the year? I mean, I, I can't think of another one right now. So this I, is our first I think you're right. I think that, yeah, um, very well could be. Yeah, I ran across that because I went, oh, Drew Sample, that's a cheap uh, uh, sleeper guy I can put in there. So it's like, well, Drew Sample sucks, but he did really. <laughs> the Browns tricked us into thinking he was good before, so why not? Yeah, week two. Yeah, so um, Evan, you want to look at the other side about how Baker's reads are evolving, but I want to know how Baker's ribs are evolving. Got him. Yeah, that's fair. I, uh, Watched the entire Cleveland game. I'm sorry. Just looking. I know, dude. This is what we do for our, for our readers. Uh, just looking at where Baker's head was. You know, trying to get a a, a read on his reads. <laughs> was it uh, up his backside? <laughs> a surprising. Well, yes and no. A surprising <laughs> amount of time he was looking right at Hooper. Uh, in fact, he and I think he's only two red zone passes. He was staring at Hooper both times before checking off to another receiver. But then I, I, I started looking at my notes, 
And a lot of times when he was looking at Hooper, who, who looked more and more involved in this offense, he would then pass it to a wide receiver on the same side of the field as Hooper. So I couldn't tell if Hooper was actually a real read or if he's just like, look, I have more options if I look at this half of the field. And so now that Hooper's not playing and there's going to be Njoku, I know that if he does the same thing, it's probably the latter. He's just trying to read the field with the most options because there's no way that Njoku is going to be his number one read all the time here. So that's what I'm watching for this time. I'm, I'm yeah. not glad that Hooper had appendicitis. I had him in like three leagues and I wish him well, but it does afford me a unique opportunity to to make a ruling on something that I really, really perplexed me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and that, I mean, it could very well be uh, Stefanski is a smart, uh, you know, offensive scheming coach. He could just be giving Baker a couple easy reads. You know, he's only got to flick his eyes a little bit instead of having to go across back and forth across the field, which, you know, that's not what you want for your first overall pick in his third season. But, you know, whatever works, works. They're, what, four and one now? So it's, uh, you know, or four and two. Sorry, I forgot they lost last week. They got drubbed. Forget. <laughs> it shook the entire town in Cleveland. Yeah, it was it was real bad. What were you gonna say, Mike? I, I, the 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 game against Pittsburgh was just. I mean, Baker Mayfield's not all that great. He's average, probably at best, I think. And against the Steelers, he was just awful. But I was also thinking, like, do you guys think he's gonna get uh, extension after this year, um, or do you think Cleveland's moving on? Um, I mean, will they they have the fifth year option on him because he was a first round pick, and um, that one is guaranteed in the case of injury, but not fully guaranteed. So I think they'll exercise his fifth year option after this year just to see what they have with Baker. Um, but I don't think they're gonna you know go into the lab with him and come out you know with a four year hundred and fifteen million dollar contract or anything like that. Yeah, I, I I don't see that either. I mean, I think he's just not improving. He's just no. not. And yeah, I, it's one of those things where I think they're gonna try to move on as quickly as possible. Yeah, I think I I unless unless he improves greatly, that's why I think they'll throw the fifth year on him and then see how he does the second year with Stefanski. And uh, if not, uh, go out. They'll go out and get Kirk Cousins or something like that, so Kevin Stefanski can be reunited with his with his love. <laughs> I feel like a lot of this could change if they make the playoffs this year too. That's one will be like, we made the playoffs. Oh my God, let's just, let's just double down. Yeah, that's true. They could do the Joe Flacco thing. Joe Flacco. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Where they completely tore down their team because uh, Joe Flacco was hot for four weeks in January. Oh, boy. All right, let's go. Let's move on to the next one. Pittsburgh and Tennessee, a couple of undefeateds, 5-0 and and 5-0. and uh, Given how 2020 has gone, they'll probably be 5-0 and 1 after this game just because, hey, that's how 2020 has rolled. This one is a 50-and-a-half point over-under. Tennessee, one-point favorites. And injuries in this one, Deontay Johnson practiced in full this week. He's expected to be back from his back. A.J. Brown missed practice with a knee injury on Thursday, but he has no injury designation going into Friday. Jonu Smith is also good to go. He's off the injury report. He had a, he left the ankle or left the game early with an ankle injury. So this is actually a good question, Mike, because you want to know if Chase Claypool has supplanted Deontay Johnson. And with a healthy Deontay Johnson, we might actually get an answer to that question. Yeah, we'll see what, what transpires in this game, but... Uh... 
you know, I'm definitely curious on what's going to happen, especially being an owner of both Claypool and Johnson. And uh, when healthy, Johnson has been solid. Uh, he just hasn't been healthy enough. I mean, it, it, the last couple games he's been in, he's he's gone out early due to injury. Uh, he scored 23 points against Denver, 12 against the Giants uh, in the first two weeks that he was that he played this year and that he finished the game. Catching 14 passes for 149 and a score. Uh, but Claypool, uh, he offers a little bit of different dimension in the running game. Uh, Johnson can do that too, but I think Claypool has more of a skill set there. And in the couple games that Claypool's been active, 11, 184, and 3 in his last two games, uh, both are dangerous wide receivers. And I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they're used. I mean, does James Washington now become invisible and they just go to Claypool, Johnson, and Juju? Uh, so this is going to be a re- very interesting game to see how those wide receivers are used and what dimension um, they're placed in. Yeah, I think this passing game is going to be difficult to suss out week to week. I think that that's going to be the problem. As a, somebody who rosters Juju in some places, Chase Claypool in others, Deontay Johnson in others, <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be, a, a, I think, a difficult week-to-week proposition, and uh, hopefully we get some clarity this week. Speaking of getting clarity, Evan, you want to see if Ryan Tannehill on the other side of the ball can have a top-12 game to make him set and forget status, Don't, yeah, which is just I'm- below don't sit your studs, I think. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good tier. That's a good stratification there. Um, I don't think he's quite set and forget. Even though he's the number six overall average points per game, and Dak Prescott is above him, so he's top five right now of all active players. Did However, something happen to Dak? Yeah, something. Oh. Something happened to Dak. He started walking in the rest of the wrong direction and forgot to tell the rest of his body. Uh, uh. Ryan, I'll Google image search that. That should be totally fun. want to do that. That's okay. completely just Google image search the exorcist where she rotates her head around and imagine it's, uh, <laughs> it's an ankle. Uh, he's the only one of the top five that's under 99% owned in Yahoo leagues. He's 81% owned, which shows that wow. I'm not the only one who needs to see a little more. Although own this guy, come on, or sorry, pick up this guy and ro- roster this guy. Come on. That's silly. Uh, that's ridiculous, but it shows that there's doubt. And, you look at who he's played. You look at whom he's played, and it was Houston and Buffalo, who looked really bad in those games. Minnesota, who's not particularly good on on passing defense, but he only scored 12 and a quarter points there, which we'll touch on that later. Jacksonville, uh, who's not that good, and then Denver, who's, who's pretty good, but he had a medium game against them. And it's like, well, you haven't stepped to anybody great, and there's always the potential that your team is going to ride Derrick Henry, who is awesome and playing all world right now. Well, now they got Pittsburgh. They got a game. They got to keep competitive. They've got to keep the clock uh, going on their side. Uh, if he puts up a top 12 week here, yeah, hit set and forget. I, I I don't see him doing it because I don't think that's how the script is going to go. So uh, I am prepared to be blown away, though, because he is a top five quarterback. That's what I'm watching for. Yeah, and I mean, to your point about the roster percentage, 81%. Um, people gave up early this year. I think the whole schedule remix and the devastating injuries to people usually people we see a, a dump down in traffic and across the industry i was talking to people about this on twitter uh, usually around halloween every year is when people tend to give up on their teams but this year it was about week five and nothing better exemplifies that than before waivers ran this week uh dak prescott was owned in 50 percent of leagues 
And uh, can you can you guess uh, what uh, in what percent of leagues Chase Chase Claypool was rostered before waivers ran this week? So after his four touchdown game. I only uh, I read your articles. Thank I was going to say uh, after his huge breakout game. Yeah. Forty three percent. Forty nine. No, can I prove that I read Jeff's articles? Oh, go go for it, Evan. Even though forty nine. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Dak Prescott's ankle detaches from his body. Chase Claypool has four touchdowns, and and Dak Prescott's rostered in a higher percentage of leagues than Chase Claypool. That tells me that people have given up. They've and same time Alexander Madison was rostered in like 62% of leagues. Where if the da- uh, Dalvin Cook injury had happened in week one, that would have jumped up to 95% of leagues. Um, so yeah, I think people have given up. So I think uh, that. Ex- Kind of explains the Ryan Tannehill roster percentage. Uh, they dumped him during the whole COVID fiasco and gave up and never picked him back up. But um, that's no excuse for the rest of the league. So let's go ahead. Let's move on to Carolina and the Saints. Um, in this one, this is uh, Carolina three and two. The Saints. I'm sorry, Carolina three and three. The Saints three and two. Fifty-one point over under. The Saints seven and a half point favorites. Injuries in this one. Let's start with the easy one first. Joey Sly went on the COVID IR this week, probably contact tracing. He's now off of it, uh, which means he got three consecutive negative tests. So he should be good to go to play on Sunday. So you don't, you didn't have to panic and pick up a guy like I did. Um, but it was Youngway Koo, who's who I might actually prefer to have instead of uh, Joey Sly. Curtis Samuel with a knee injury was limited this week. We'll see how that shakes out this weekend. And then the Saints. The Saints go marching away from the field. Michael Thomas with a hamstring injury that popped up this week was ruled out. And then Emmanuel Sanders was placed on COVID IR this afternoon um, on Friday. So he will also be out. So I guess fire up your Traquan Smiths. People are getting spicy and saying Marquez Callaway. But ugh, ugh, blech. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do either. So uh, the Saints are uh, are bad play this weekend, except for my boy, Alvin Kamara. He'll probably get 14 targets again. But, Mike, you want to know about the other side of the ball. Teddy Bridgewater, is he a top 12 start option? Now, are you saying rest of the season or just this week? Uh, just this week. I, I okay. honestly don't think he's a top 12 quarterback. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned Michael Thomas again. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking there's something going behind the scenes. Uh, we saw last week him not play because he got in some kind of entanglement with something and he couldn't start the whole game, couldn't play the whole game because of that. He was benched and now all of a sudden he pulls a hammy in a walkthrough practice. There's just a lot of question marks going on in my head about, about this whole Michael Thomas thing. Uh, I guess we'll see next week what happens, but the, yeah, I'm – I'm thinking there's definitely more behind the scenes there. As far as Teddy Bridgewater, uh, is he a top 12 start this week? Saints have been awful against the pass. 29 mm-hmm. against Ooh. quarterbacks. So there's only three teams that have been worse than they are. Uh, they have allowed three or more touchdowns to quarterbacks in the last four games. But, you know, Teddy B, he, he's not thrown more than two touchdowns. Um, uh, all season, including he's had two weeks of zero touchdowns in, in just six weeks. He's, he's had already two weeks of where he has not thrown a touchdown. Uh, it's Daniel Jonesian. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think that's a great comp- uh, comparison right there with Daniel Jones. Um, and then, you know, he's not as good as Daniel Jones with his legs, but he can add some points there. 
Uh, he does have two top 12 performances on the season, even though he, he's gone a couple weeks without touchdowns. Yeah. So he's been good in some weeks, just really bad in other weeks. I, I think with this matchup, does finish in the top 12 because, as I said, he has done it before this season. And when you're facing the 29th easiest team against quarterbacks and fantasy points allowed, you roll with them. Yeah, and um, one thing I forgot to mention, uh, one of his weapons will not be available. Uh, CMC is still on the shelf. They're saying hopefully week eight. Um, but this is starting to really drag on for Christian McCaffrey. But, you know, with Mike Davis playing the way that he's playing, I mean, I would definitely try to hold out CMC to make sure he's fully healthy. And and um, I think, um, yeah, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a top 12 start option this week. I have him as a quarterback streamer this week. I named the article after him. Uh, two two gloves, one slot, which was actually a working title, and I forgot to change it. So, hey, it's named after Teddy Bridgewater this week. So, um, Evan, you want to know about uh, Marshawn Lattimore affecting how we predict fantasy wide receivers? Yeah, you know, this. Uh, I'm mainly just collecting raw data. Do you, you or Mike, Jeff or Mike, you might actually have an answer for this because I've just started to visit this area of fantasy town, whereas you, Seven. Both, have, you both have primary... <laughs> primary residences here uh this is because of uh covid i can't really work uh, uh out of the house uh this is the first year that i've been religiously watching tape i have watched every single game uh on on game pass and so i'm just i'm learning and i want to collect data you know uh it's it, when teams with two wide receivers such as uh the cardinals who have robbie anderson and dj moore two 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 uh lead receivers uh, does Marshawn Lattimore, I, I remember from previous years, he lines up on the right, but sometimes they have him shadow it. Can I collect data to figure out which receiver is going to have a better game? Or is it just, uh, odds are it could just be a, uh, a toss-up. But I want I just want I'm, I'm, I'm watching this to see, like, now that I, I'm getting reads and I'm getting other things, let me watch these top-tier defensive secondary players and see if I can predict future trends based on how they approach two wide receivers. Yeah, I mean... That, this this was actually something I was watching last night with Bradbury and Fulgham, where Bradbury was shadowing Djax when he was on the field and Fulgham when he wasn't. I, I don't worry too much about shadow, shadowing players um, because, you know, the defense will play in zone sometimes. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, you can work the guy around the formation to get him away from the player. Um and I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to see who he lines up on. Um, I looked at player profiler because they do a good job with cornerbacks saying who they believe they will match up against. And it looks like he's going to be on DJ Moore is what they believe this weekend. So we'll see how that goes. But Mike, do you have any uh, any better way to do that? I mean, you chart games and stuff, so you look probably a lot closer than I do. So what, what mostly what 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 I've seen out of cornerbacks and defensive backs when I'm charting, they usually stick to one side of the field. Mm-hmm. So you, they, one will, will play right, one will play left. So it, if they don't necessarily dictate which side of the field they're playing, and a lot of them don't even get that right, I think the best thing to do is sort of look at a couple games and see exactly which side those defensive backs are playing on. And then, look at where the splits are as far as the wide receiver. Does the wide receiver uh, line up on the left more more oftenly? Does he line up in the slot more oftenly? Does he line up in the left slot more oftenly? So 
I think once you get down to what side of the field these players, wide receivers line up on, at least at the majority of the time, then you could sort of match up with what side of the defensive back um, that that lines up. So if you have a defensive back that lines up, um, guards the left flanker, um, and DJ Moore lines up on the left side for the most part, then you can say, okay, this defensive back will probably match up with this wide receiver for the majority of the game. Yeah, so there you go. And um yeah, like I like I like last night people were panicking. Um it's it's not a hard and fast rule. People were panicking about Bradbury on Fulgham. Fulgham did okay um last night and I think people over overrate it. But uh just would like to mention, forgot to mention it during the game. Uh Bradbury might be my greatest pickup in stream ever with the end zone interception. I had to pick up a defensive back cuz Jonathan Abram went on IR with COVID and thank you Bradbury for he had uh, pass defense, five tackles in a pick, and that was a big game in my league. So thank you. Speaking of defensive backs, I just wanted to get that out because it's very exciting for me. All right. Are you guys ready for the game of the week? This one is a real clash of the Titans. Buffalo. <laughs> is, it, is it an NFC East game? It is an AFC, AFC East. East game? Okay. It's got to be one or the other when we start sarcastically talking about how great it is. Well, one is the New York Jets. The other one, the Buffalo Bills. If you are still alive in your survivor pool, click that Bills button, baby, just like I did. Because I did. Are you alive yeah. in, our, in our pool, in our football absurdity pool? What's that? Are you alive in our football absurdity pool? Oh, you betcha, baby. Nice. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what I did, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, my my name is more picks than Jameis Winston, so um, I got I to gotta stay alive as long as I can. So Buffalo 4-2, Jets 0-6. Oh Jets, I mean, come on. Come on, man. To quote, hopefully, the 46th president of the United States, uh, 45 point over under Buffalo, 13 point favorites. I don't think I've seen a team look so dreadful on their prior game become be almost two touchdown favorites. And speaking of looking dreadful, um, the receivers for Josh Allen, John Brown out knee injury, Dawson Knox calf knee injury out. And Mike, you want to see if uh, he's back? And I mean, can he be back missing these weapons? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, and he's also been missing just because he's not been playing very well. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's sort of almost back to the Josh Allen we're kind of uh, gotten used to over the last couple of years. Someone who's just erratic, uh, does some good things on the field, and then you know overthrows you know the guy the guy six five receiver by you know ten miles, and it's just like okay, well, well you did this really well. How come you can't? hit a guy that's six five like three yards away from you so you know I, i'm just very curious especially against the jet who i mean just gets drummed every single week uh allen faced him in week one and finished as a qb one overall overall uh the jets are the bottom portion of points allowed to quarterbacks they they haven't been too bad they're 20th against quarterback so you know you figured they'd be worse but i think a lot of that too is the jets get just beat up in the first half and they're way behind so teams just start running the ball um and uh, you know that that takes points off from from quarterbacks because they're not throwing the ball uh the jets did play well against the colts and the cardinals only allowing just one touchdown uh, they also don't allow many yards. Uh, only two teams have thrown for more than 300 yards against them. 
Hmm. But again, I, I really think this is more to the fact that they're just way behind and teams just decide to run the ball and run the clock. Uh, so it might come down for that for Allen, um, but if, if the game is is competitively close and usually divisional games are, I, I think Allen could finish anywhere between the top five and top twelve, and therefore he should be you know very per, you know very good for you guys. Uh, it, it, what we've seen you know from the very beginning, outside the last couple weeks uh, on the season, he's currently the quarterback to Kyler Murray. All right, and I hope Josh Allen bounces back because uh, it's it's it was a lot of fun with Josh Allen the first four weeks or so of the season before he started to stumble. And um, I staked my I staked my flag on him. Yeah, so, you did. I hope so. Yeah, uh, uh, you mentioned this, but I just wanted to say it because I think people might not have, have, have caught it. Uh, yeah, another victim of today's bloodbath, what I'm calling Friday Die Day, is John Brown, whom we didn't think was going to play anyway, was officially ruled out for mm-hmm. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, uh, him and Dawson Knox both yeah, yeah. today for the, I, for the You said that. I just want to make sure because other people it, – it happened during a, a wave of injuries, and some people might have missed it. Yeah, there you go. Gabriel so, um, Davis. Yeah, yeah, Gabriel Davis got 100% of snaps uh, two weeks ago, I believe it was, when uh, John Brown was out. So um, – so yeah, that's a that's a good uh, good luck, Mike. Well, how do you do? I told a bunch of people to pick him up and plug him in if John Brown was Five out. Five for 58, I think. Okay, good. Yeah, a bunch of people were wondering because it was a late game, and I'm like, okay, here's what you do: make sure Gabriel Davis is op- is, own- is 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 open. Don't pick up Gabriel Davis, but if you need to, pick up Gabriel Davis. Nope, he went oh. one for seven. No, I meant. <laughs> I, oh, I thought you meant when John Brown was out. Oh, that was two weeks ago. Nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. five for nine for 58. Nice memory. Yeah, buddy. All right. Um, and so you want to know about another guy in the Bills receiving court, though, Evan? Yeah, you all set this up. I think people are probably thinking about this, but uh, Cole Beasley, whom people are calling the Beasleys, how is he not a great play in fantasy? He's owned in 30, sorry, he's rostered in 31% of fantasy football leagues. And wh- whom else do they have? They have Diggs. I guess Singletary can catch some passes. Well, Beasley is one of the, the most consistent uh, players out there. And half point PPR, he's never been under 7.8 points on the year despite only have touchdowns in in two games so i think uh, if you're looking for a high floor safe flex play look to your free agency pool and see if cole beasley's there yeah um i had a conversation this week about you know cole beasley's only rostered in one third of leagues and uh, he's a dependable weapon especially when you think about uh, the wide receiver core kind of collapsing around him i mean he could be fulgaming right now so it's a an interesting thing that you might want to ride the wave in a, a brutal Jets matchup. Just, well, I mean, speaking of Beasley, he's averaging uh, 12 points, nearly 13 points per game. He is right now the 28th wide receiver overall, uh, 28 receptions on 37 targets for 358 yards. Yeah, and I believe he had over 100 targets last year, too, sort of out of necessity. So he's, I guess he's Josh Allen's safety blanket. Like he's Stephon Diggs is when he too. goes. He's well. He's also a gym rat, sneaky, athletic. Uh, oh, real sorry, lunch I didn't fail. do that. He's got he's, <laughs> he's got talent. He's well spoken. Inscrutable. Oh God. <laughs> sorry. Bring him home to. Uh, you, you'd be happy if your daughter brought him home. My point is on tape because I've been watching tape. He looks good. He makes good catches. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's not a bad back. Um. All right, let's go. Ahead. Let's. I'm not back. A wide receiver. Let's go. Ahead. Let's move on to the next game. Dallas against Washington team football. Dallas two and four. 
uh, Washington one and five, and everybody's still in the AF or NFC East race in this one. Dallas wins; they could be in sole possession of first place, I believe, at three and three and four. So that's um, an exciting word, I guess. Forty-six uh, point over under Dallas one point favorites. Uh, Dallas has no injuries in this one for Washington team football. Logan Thomas appeared on the injury report with a neck injury, which he is now off of the injury report for, which is great. Because I'm streaming him in some places in this matchup. And uh, Evan, you want to know if uh, Terry McDonald's usage will continue to see grow? I'm sorry, this is McLaurin. <laughs> you, you only put Terry MC, so I had to yeah, fill in the rest. I, I thought it was Terry McDonald's. Sorry, you know. I, I thought you were going to drop some chicken nuggets of wisdom, so why don't you go yeah, ahead? Yeah, you never know when I'm in these notes if I've come up with some new dumb nickname for a guy or what's <laughs> going on. So I'll be more clear in the future. Uh, yeah, come on, fantasy gods. Terry McLaurin started the first four games uh, wh- whom we thought he would become, you know, a uh, 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 wide receiver two with some wide receiver one value. Uh, you know, he had he had uh, eight and a half points, this is a half point PPR, 22 points, 10 and a half, 17 points. And then the quarterback got replaced and he had three catches for four for 26 yards. And then last week he had seven catches for 74 yards, still only about 11 HPPR points. But we're like, OK, it's improving. Now you have Dallas. Now you have to be able to do well. Otherwise, I just I'm I'm mad at the gods. It, it, how is Washington's game plan not going to be go out there and throw to Terry McLaurin and see if Dallas even has a defender anywhere near him? So I, I got high hopes here. I'm watching to make sure if that happens. And I'm like, all right, I feel good. Uh, a lot of people have been benching Terry McLaurin this week. And I'm like, I would not quite do that at all. That come on, it's Dallas. So uh, uh, I'm, I'm watching to make sure that that's, that has some sort of consistency to it, at least in projecting. Yeah, and um, I think the only other place that they really have to go is uh, the running backs. Uh, Antonio Gibson, you know, a lot of hype. J.D. McKissick's come on lately. He's been performing pretty well. I believe he had over 80 total yards last week um, for McKissick, and he's just been getting a ton of targets. So, um, you know, it's either McLaurin, Mc, McLaurin McKissick, or Mick Gibson in this one. Uh, yes, Gibson has, I'm sorry, McKissick has at least six catches in three straight games. So those are your options there for Washington. But um, Mike, you want to know about, uh, on the other side of this, you actually, oh, is EE a top 12 back? Evan was the one who accidentally put his old, his question in there again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Matt is, Stafford versus Matt Ryan. He that threw me it. off. Yeah, he liked that question. Uh, is EE a top 12 back? Um, yeah, I mean, his fumbling has been a huge problem. And when you have Pollard in the backfield, the switch can easily be done, as we saw last week with the Cardinals. They had no problems putting Pollard in after, after yeah. those couple fumbles from Ezekiel Elliott. And Pollard, you know, is a very good back. He is one of those top handcuff, top players. Uh, but... You know, there's no disputing um, that the the coaches have complete faith in Ezekiel Elliott. They're not going to – he's not someone that's an average, you know, back or anything that, okay, one fumble and you're out of here kind of guy. He's, he you know, he's going to have to fumble multiple times to actually even make a big switch. Uh, but on the other side, um, looking at the defense, the Redskins are the 12th hardest. The defense. who? Oh, yeah. Holy mackerel. The Washington what? team football. It's Washington your term. Washington team football. 
Dang it. I was been I was been good on that all year. <laughs> I even wrote WTF in my notes and I screwed it up. Um WTF has been the twelfth hardest against running backs. They've only given up a hundred yards twice on the season. Um, and there's only been one team to score more than one touchdown against them. They have shut out three other teams. Uh, impressive since, you know, they're mostly behind. And as I was talking about, you know, teams running down the clock, being behind, can run the clock. So their teams should be running against the Redskins. So to show that they even um, are strong against teams running against them is even more impressive. So Ezekiel Elliott is matchup proof. But this may be one contest that he ends up outside the top 12 for the only second time this season. Yeah, and uh, their willingness to bench him is concerning, I think, for the rest of the year. Because Mike McCarthy didn't draft him. You know, he can just say, you know what, He's, this, this Z guy ain't doing it. But, uh, Mike, I hope you're growing out that mullet, baby, because it's not looking I, good um, for, the, for that I top know. eight bet right now. I know, I know. I, 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 every time I look at that that pin tweet, I'm just like, can I take it down? <laughs> Will anybody notice? I don't know. Just quietly delete has it. to grow a mullet. Uh, Mike said, Mike said if he doesn't finish or if he finishes outside the top inside the top eight, he'd grow a mullet. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a it's a one sided bet. Mike Mike did a cell phone. He didn't have to do this. <laughs> yeah, self self inflicted wounds here. That's right. Oh, boy. So, all right, let's go ahead. Let's move on to the next game um, on the docket. And the next game coming up is uh, Green Bay 4-1, and one, Houston 1-5, and 57-point over-under, Green Bay 3.5-point favorites. Easy for you to say. And, Evan, I'm going to start with you because I had the same exact question when I was putting this thing together. Why is Green Bay only a 3.5-point favorite? It doesn't make much sense. And I have an explanation for that. And I also want to say I do that doesn't really help people in fantasy. So I will be talking about what I'm watching for in fantasy after I finish this. But it's really interesting. You need we, I often need to remind myself that these lines they come out with uh, in the desert aren't uh, what the odds they think will happen. They're where they think the betters will split 50-50. Yeah, they're and, they're trying to bring in as much money as possible. And right now, and it's like last week, Green Bay was four and zero, and I I saw them up many lists of power rankings. Number one, Houston hadn't won a game, and now Green Bay's picked to win by three and a half. I guess they're in Houston where there's crowd noise or something, but it just shows to show how Green Bay getting shellacked by Tampa Bay and Houston mauling Minnesota uh, uh, changes how Vegas thinks, or pardon me, how the desert thinks that people will be uh, will be betting significantly. So you can't rely on those lines as what's going to happen, but just what the betting is. Uh, uh, and what I'm looking for here is I want to see Green Bay get back to normal. They played Tampa Bay last week, which is crazy all world on especially running game and Aaron Jones only had 15 yards running but now they're playing Houston who doesn't really play good secondary let's I want to see a good game I'm expecting a good game from Aaron Rodgers I'm expecting a good game from uh Aaron Jones and if that happens then moving forward I'm like okay there's consistency to how Green Bay does and also watch out if you're playing Tampa Bay yeah um I that game was so weird last week because Aaron Rodgers he started off all we talked about it on Tuesday he started off all swaggy he was doing the uh, you know McCringleberry Key and Peel touchdown celebration on a touchdown that got called back and they had a pick six that he followed by another interception and then he was just 
he was he, he reminded me of a guy that I saw up close and personal a lot. It was bad Alex Smith. That's what he reminded me of. He was tight. He was short with all of his throws. He wasn't hitting the windows properly. It was going off a guy's fingers. Like they, the the balls were close, but not on target. It was just like he was playing scared that he didn't know what was going to happen when he let go of the football. So uh, that was a weird game for uh, Aaron Rodgers. Um, we'll see if he bounces back this week. Uh, for this game, I forgot to mention the injury notes. Aaron Jones missed practice on Friday. He is a game-time decision on Sunday. Luckily, this is the uh, last 10 a.m. window game or 1 p.m. if you're on the East Coast. So you're you're not going to have to make any roster decisions between now and 8.30 a.m. Pacific on Sunday with regards to Aaron Jones. Uh, if you have him, go get Jamal Williams. If you don't have that opportunity, go get A.J. Dillon. If you don't have that opportunity, why don't you go ahead and get cute and pick up Tyler Irvin and see what happens for you. Um, I saw you know, people saying Irvin season on Twitter. I'm like, you guys need to stop. <laughs> he's, he's, he's only still, been in the league, what, like six years? <laughs> yeah, and he's still the, the running back three, even if Aaron Jones is out. So it's like, come on, guys. I, I got to hand it to him, though. Tyler Irvin's from San Jose State, so I, I, I'll give him some props there. Hey, home of the uh, Burrito Zilla, baby. Yeah, Burrito Zilla. That's, that's the only uh, San Jose specific, San Jose State specific food I can remember is an iguana's Burrito Zilla. So I don't know anything else other than that about him. Um, for Houston, Jordan Aikens probably not going to play. He's no longer suffering from concussion issues, but uh, his ankle is still bothering him. So he uh, was at the practice field, but wasn't a full go, and he's likely not going to play. So, Mike, you want to know about one of Jordan Aiken's teammates, uh, the, his quarterback specifically, doing this the most direct way possible. Nailed it. Will Deshaun Watson continue to finish within the top 10 of quarterbacks? Which is a sad question given where we took Deshaun Watson. Yeah, because uh, I mean, he went anywhere probably between three and five for most leagues. and But things are looking up with Romeo Cornell. Um, since Cornell's taken over, taken over, Watson has finished with the second highest point total in back-to-back weeks. Uh, so the last two weeks, even better probably than where you took him. He now has a Packers defense that allows the eighth fewest, fewest are the eighth toughest fantasy points team allowed to quarterbacks. It's going to be a tough week. And that that's one of the things that's kind of thrown me off a little bit is how such a high point total because – the Houston Texans are such a passing team, yet the Packers are pretty good defensive-wise against quarterbacks. Um, and Or maybe it's the eighth easiest. They routinely give up two touchdowns opposing segment. Okay, so, um, yeah, I have to look at that. I don't know if my notes are correct because that doesn't seem right. But anyways, so they routinely give up two touchdowns opposing signal callers but don't allow much yards, uh, which is probably one of the big reasons why they're so tough. Uh, no team has thrown for more than 300 yards, and Breeze has the highest with 288. So 288 is the most they've given up um, yardage-wise. I, I just see it going to be difficult for Watson to finish in the top 10 or the top 12 this week, but with a spread of 57 points i mean how how can you not say that especially if packers only favored by three and a half how watson is not going to be totally dominant this week it's very complexing to me yeah i i see um watson this this is another one where i was like i don't know what the over under was but it's hard for me to take the uh the 
the under on it. I think this one's going to be a shootout uh, between Green Bay and Houston, despite the uh, the injuries um, for Houston and for Green Bay. I think uh, they have a, a deep enough roster there that they can uh, keep it going. And my question is, is Brandon Cooks good? I don't get questions anymore, but that's my question. I want to make sure. So next game, Tampa Bay and Las Vegas. 105 Sunday afternoon football. This game was moved because of the COVID-19 scare. 52 and a half point over under Tampa Bay, three and a half point favorites. They probably took this one off the board, if I'm being honest, but I didn't double check to get it day because that's what they had when I checked. Um, the reason this one got moved is uh, Trent Brown has COVID-19. Uh, Jonathan Abram is on high risk of contracting COVID-19. So he's quarantined and the entire Raiders offensive line is also quarantined. So I think what the NFL is doing, and I've seen, you know, I've seen some reports to this, is what they're having the Buccaneers do is they're having them count to three alligators before they rush because the Raiders are going to play without a, an offensive line in this one. But once per every set of downs, they do get to yell blitz and they can rush right away. So Derek Carr has to keep in, keep that in mind when he's throwing this weekend. Uh, maybe call David to ask what it's like to play. Yeah, behind a bunch of uh, backup offensive linemen. So, uh, Evan, um, why don't we talk about Josh Jacobs if this is a do, don't sit your stud situation? Yeah, you know the phrase don't sit your studs. It means if you pick the player, usually in the first round or whatever, and he's been putting up the performance for you, don't start sit him based on matchup. Uh, it, it's almost always a bad idea. This could be the exception. Tampa Bay, I got a bunch of stats to blow your minds. Tampa Bay leads the league with a whoppingly low 64.3 rushing yards allowed per game. Pittsburgh's second with 66. They're also ninja at this. Third is Indianapolis. Good job, Mike, with 88. So Tampa's sitting there at 64 rushing yards per game. Now I got their schedule here. Here are the running backs that Tampa Bay has faced. Aaron Jones. Kamara. CMC. The Broncos, the two-headed monster, the Chargers uh, passing game, and then the Bears, who aren't that great. But Aaron Jones, CMC, and Kamara are three of the best fantasy producers there, and the team is averaging 64.3 rushing yards per game. As Jeff mentioned, we don't know. We don't know what's going on with Los Angeles Raiders' offensive line. There are some really unusual decisions I'm making in the leagues. I own, I, I manage uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, uh, two of them. There are some players I'm weighing against Josh Jacobs that I never would have thought before, such as I, in a PPR league, I'm wondering if I'm getting cute to play Swift over him or if I'm just playing for not taking a ridiculously low number. Stuff like that, where like two days ago, I would have been like, future Evan, you need to go take a timeout. Now I'm like, huh. Um, I'm not starting any Raiders. Except for Darren Waller, maybe. Period. I'm not starting. They don't have an offensive line. Um, I'm especially not starting Josh Jacobs because the Buccaneers are one of the best run defenses in the NFL. And... Um, I just can't I can't risk that goose egg in my in my you know RB1 slot. So depending on who I have, I, I would pivot maybe to maybe to DeAndre Swift, though that might be a bit far. That might be getting too cute. Um, but you know, if I've got solid options elsewhere, I might be looking away from Josh Jacobs. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I mean, if the team doesn't have an offensive line, and that is where if you're looking at running backs 
that excel in this league, it's about the offensive line. I mean, of course, talent has a big role, but if the offensive line is trash, more than likely the running back's not going to run anywhere. So with a backup offensive line, Josh Jacobs is not going to run anywhere. Um, And therefore, yeah, uh, this is one of those cases where you look at it. And then, as you mentioned, not only is there a backup offensive line, but you got one of the stoutest defensive fronts in football. Forget about it. I'd, I'd rather I would I would go with Swift. I really would. Yeah, there okay. you go. All right. Well, I was I was honestly gosh, nervous about even saying that because I'm like, oh my gosh, am I just gonna get tarred and feathered by Jeff and Mike and our listeners? But okay, I'm glad that I'm I'm calibrated at least near correctly. Yeah, you have to calibrate. Don't sit your studs is like. You know, I have a gut feeling that I should be benching, uh, you know, who, who would qualify as a stud this year. I have a gut feeling that um, they're going to get fed up with Ezekiel Elliott's fumbles and they're going to bench him in the first quarter. And instead, I'm going to start Miles Gaskin. It's like, dude, don't get cute. Come on. Don't sit your studs like that. Like, maybe you're right. But the odds, remember, I told you guys about the graphic, the zone of correctness. You got to be right about one guy and right about another guy. And that has to overlap you know, uh, in a very small window. So um, I don't think it's getting too cute to sit Josh Jacobs this weekend, actually, because backup offensive line uh, team that, you know, it's going to be the term ravaged by COVID is not going too far in this. And and it's not a Titan situation where they, you know, had all their positives sat around and then were able to play. This is, oh, on Thursday before a Sunday game, everybody just gets put on IR. So really, if you think about it, they've got to travel. Oh, no, they're there. It's a home team. OK, so they do get an extra practice in there. I was going to say they have to travel cross country on Saturday, but that's Friday and Saturday with these backup offensive linemen and they can't pick up another guy. That's the thing. There's a tweet thread about it. The Raiders are stuck with their number of offensive linemen that they have. They have the guys in house. They have the guys on practice squad because of COVID regulations. The smallest time between signing a player and that player playing for you is six days. Because of the way the COVID regulations work this year. So they literally couldn't even sign somebody off the street. There may there may come a point where, you know, their right tackle is going to be Foster Moreau. You know, if things go wrong. And I just don't want a part of that game this weekend. I think that one's going to be a burn the tape game for the Raiders, personally. They're so hot and cold. Last, last game, they beat the Super Bowl champions. This game, they can't even feel the real team. Yeah, I mean, that's that's COVID for you. But Mike, you want to know, and I think our discussion kind of put some cold water on this, is Derek Carr underappreciated and a top 12 quarterback? Right, and I wrote this question before the fallout. <laughs> um, but I, I think it still has some future uh, implications on this. Uh, so Derek Kai, Derek Kai, uh, Derek, Derek, Derek Kai, Derek Kai. <laughs> You know, he, he, he's a guy who's had uh, just one, just one top 12 finish in five games he's played this year. Uh, so, you know, you can't say a guy who's finished in top 12 just once is, you know, he's not a top 12 player. Because if you only finish once in top 12, how can you say you're a top 12 quarterback? But he routinely finishes no lower than 14th. And since week one, uh, if you look at his average points per game, he is a QB, QB 12. Uh, his total points put him at a QB nine, and if you factor in his bye week, uh, they that puts him in a top twelve contention overall. So 
you he never finishes in the top 12, but his points say otherwise. So is he a top 12 because of points or not top 12 because he never finishes in the top 12 on a weekly basis? Uh, what do you guys say? Is it about the points or is it about the week? Um, the Raiders, it's quite easy to dismantle their entire offense if you have a, a, a great run defense because John Gruden wants to run everything through uh, Josh Jacobs. Uh, the, the two games I saw where Josh Jacobs went off, the whole offense went off. And the two games where he didn't, the whole offense was struggling. Yeah, um, I think, Mike, to answer your question, I think he's um, – I'm going to go week to week. You know, it's – you can easily – if you're on that borderline, like quarterback 10 to quarterback 15 sort of range, you can find numbers to make it work that you're top 12, um, especially if you have, like, a big blowout game this early in the season. You know, we're week seven. Uh you can make it look like your top 12, but this is a week to week proposition. I always ask people, you know, Hey, you know, they're like, well, he did this last week. And it's like, well, do you get to carry over the points for what he did last week? Or are we going to look at what he does this week? And I think with a, a big blowout game, it, it does. I mean, it gives you a ceiling there for car, but at the same time, if he's quarterback 15, 15, 15, one, 15 and that makes him quarterback 12 i mean i think he's closer to quarterback 15 in my eyes you know okay so it's definitely a, a weekly thing uh yeah and you know it's just interesting to see him just uh perform i don't i don't think we even if he is say uh, it's a weekly thing and i and i can definitely subscribe to that it's 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 very surprising i think he's very underappreciated because i don't see a lot of people looking at Derek carr and I don't have any you know, sample size to prove it, but it just has a feeling that people look at Derek Carr and don't see someone who falls in the, at least the top 14, 15 quarterbacks. I, I think people look at Derek Carr and see a quarterback 25. Yeah, I do definitely think that he's a little bit disrespected. Um, I, I wouldn't doubt that. But, uh, you know, it's it's like I, I said, he's, you know, somewhere around quarterback 15, which is depending on the matchups, depending on the week, a guy that you want to have on your roster. So, you know, it's it's a six of one, half a dozen the other, I think. I, I, and I do have one more follow up for you, Jeff. I know you put together <laughs> that that risk assessment um, on quarterbacks. Have you have you checked into that and see how how much variation has changed or anything to that effect? I put together what now? I think you're thinking of somebody else. No, did you put in a risk assessment on quarterbacks and how unrisky like players dropping the ball and that kind of thing? Oh, 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 the luck, the luck, the luck. No, I haven't looked at the luck this year. That's actually, that's a good, that's a good call, Mike. I will, for next week's podcast, since we'll have seven weeks in the books, I will redo those, those luck rankings and see uh, how, who the luckiest quarterbacks are this year. That's a good call, Mike. I, when you said riskiest, that's why it was confusing me, but yeah, the luckiest. Good call. Stay tuned next week. I'm going to have that for for you guys. We'll have the luck, uh, the luck rankings through seven weeks. So I will have that answer to you next week, Mike. Uh, about And that's actually one of the reasons why I, I thought about it. The question too, is because, Derek Carr was one of the unluckiest quarterbacks. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I waited so late to draft him in my home league was because the performance was there, but he was one of the unluckiest. And with some new receivers, I was just curious on 
how much that's changed. So that'd be pretty cool, fun to see how what the transition is. Yeah, I will definitely do that for next week's episode. Um, and uh, I, I do actually have a little bit of a, a, a pump up on it too, because I was looking at the figures again, and I, I realized that I had I created a metric for good throw percentage, and then I had a metric for unluckiest quarterbacks, and I didn't like mesh the two together, <laughs> you know, to see if quarterbacks are throwing the ball well and getting unlucky. So I'll have all that next week. I'll do that for the 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 episode next week. We'll have that get that going. So good call, Mike. I will I will have that question answered for you next week. And, uh, and one last thing, uh, there is some breaking news, guys. Are you ready for this? Uh oh. The Giants. Friday. The Giants and the Cardinals have agreed to a trade. Oh, interesting. Linebacker Marcus Golden for his 2021 six-round pick. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last note in this one, uh, Lenny Fournette is practicing in full, but Ronald Jones has said that this is my backfield, Leonard Fournette, and I don't care what you have to say about it. That's pretty much what he's done over the last few weeks. He has done that, and you know, I, I yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard hard to see it it transpire any other way. But um, when when you have Leonard Fournette, I think it's going to be as equally hard to say, okay, Fournette, you just sit on the bench. Yeah, and it's uh, it'll definitely be seeing how uh, the the old phrase, you know, coaches don't care about your fantasy teams. Um, you know, they yep. might get Leonard Fournette 12 touches a game, which completely blows uh, Ronald Jones's upside out of the water. So we'll see how that goes. So why don't we go ahead? Let's move on to the next game. Casey and Denver. It's a 46 point over under. Casey nine and a half point favorites in this one. Uh, for the Broncos, KJ Hamler was a full practice on Thursday and Friday with an ankle injury. Noah Fant was off the injury report with an ankle injury. Go see a Fant's on your waiver wire in your team, in your league. He got dropped in some places because we didn't know the severity of the injury when it happened. And the fact that he'll more than likely already be back since he's off the injury report is huge. He could save your bacon this week. Um, for the chiefs, uh, Sammy Watkins with the hamstring did not practice. Uh, he's likely out according to Andy Reed. Andy Reed also said he's unsure if Le'Veon Bell will be active this weekend as they only were able to get him into the uh, building about halfway through the week. So they might be, you know, happy with what they saw from Daryl Williams and Darwin Thompson last week and hold them out. So if he starts, Mike, what are you thinking we might see from Lev Bell? Yeah. Um, it, this is another question that I wrote early on. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's going to take a few games for us to get really a grasp on what uh, Bell's role truly is, but I am tr- intrigued to see him um, used in what what capacity I, I, and how much volume he steals from Clyde edwards Hilaire. I think at the very minimum, it's going to be a 60-40 split, uh, or at the maximum, not at the minimum, the maximum, a 60-40 split, 60% going to CEH. The one thing I'm, I'm definitely secure and know that he's going to steal from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is goal line carries. Um, it's, the, it's the other elements that has me uh, very curious on to see, you know, down and distance and those kind of situations that we'll see if Le'Veon Bell is more on third downs and those kind of situations um, if he does play this week or moving forward. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, question 
about how this backfield is going to shake out. And guys, I have some thought. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go on another Ceh levy on Bell rant. Uh, the I timed it, Mike. You talked for three minutes out of the 15 that I talked. Evan, you talked for zero. <laughs> 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 so I will not be, I will be recusing myself from any CEH conversation and uh, Mike or Evan, what do you think about Mike's question? Well, I'll tell you what I think about Mike's question and I won't delay it anymore. Uh, yeah. Love Bell even came out and said, uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just here to help out. Maybe I get a goal like Gary or something. I'm not I'm not here to be a star. He sent some tweets that seem to foreshadow that he's not expecting to see a big role this uh this weekend. Yeah, he uh he's just sort of um letting it letting it come as it comes. He's not uh, you know, as I t- I got to recuse myself. Sorry. I, I don't I'm trying really hard to not go on another rant. But if he's bought in, it's not going to be a problem and it's not going to steal too much from CEH. I just want to say CEH leads all backs in scrimmage yards. If he'd scored three touchdowns, people wouldn't be talking about Lev Bell. So hold all hilarious. Hold all hilarious. Ha. All right. So I'm going to just move on to the Den- uh, Evans question about Denver so I don't go on a rant about Le'Veon Bell. Uh, is there going to be garbage time fantasy value out of Denver? Yeah, well, see, here's how, here's, here's, here's my, here's my conundrum here. Uh, Tim, uh, Denver's playing Kansas City, and so I want to roll out my Tim Patrick's because in HPPR they've gotten 12 points in two games and 20 points in the third in the last three games since you know the wide receiver core went down. So I'm like, hey, there's going to be a lot of catch up playing here. They're going to throw it a lot. This is this is an easy plug and play. But then I look at the big picture. is that Denver has the second fewest points in the league scored their offense they have a hundred and even a hundred points scored in five games and one of those games they scored 37 points so they're averaging besides that one game which was against the Jets uh about 15 points per game and I'm Mm. like I don't are you gonna have garbage time points or are you just gonna what ha that's so that's what I'm watching for. I, I need that resolved so I can better predict predict what to do with the Tim Patricks of the world and hopefully the Noah fans if you can stay healthy. Yeah, I'm I'm this Denver offense, uh Drew Locke just I don't know. They gotta I don't know, I'm speechless with this Drew Locke usage. They have him just bomb it out two plays and then dump it off for one and then bomb it out two plays and then dump it off for one. It's just, I don't don't know what they're doing because he is not connecting deep. It's just not working. And maybe they're trying to work their way through it, but I have no idea. Um, And I'm very curious about this Denver offense. All right. Next one up, San Francisco at the Patriots, 43 and a half point over under the lowest of the week. Patriots, two point favorites. It's the Garoppa bowl guys. Jimmy G, revenge game, homecoming. Um, what else can I call it? Uh, you know, uh, Cam versus Jimmy, two very mobile quarterbacks. Anyways, Jeff Wilson Jr. was limited with a calf injury this week for the 49ers. Raheem Mostert went to IR. Finally, this afternoon, he went to IR. Or at least Kyle Shanahan said he will be going shortly. Uh, 49ers, both starting safeties are going to be out. Their starting center is already on IR. Their backup center went on IR. Um, I don't know. I'm sure six more different 49ers 
in key positions will go on IR before this one is over. So, <sighs> Mike, do you think we can trust uh, Debo Samuel? You know, he did finish as a wide receiver 14 last week and uh, now has the Patriots that are the 22nd easiest team to score for on wide receivers. I say yes, but I'm not a 49er insider. So I ask you, Evan, I mean, ask you, Jeff, is Debo um, trustworthy now? Trustworthy? No. Can you start him? Sure. Three wide receiver leagues, flex leagues. I mean, he is... Uh, just like Brandon Ayuk did a few weeks ago against the Eagles, he is a threat to bust one 40 yards for a touchdown on any given play. Um, if you're in a two wide receiver league, I don't see a reason to start Debo Samuel yet. Three wide receivers and a flex, absolutely stick him in there. Um, I have him. Hold on, let me see. Let me see if I'm if my money's where my mouth is. I have him in a 12 team three wide receiver two flex league. Let me see if I'm starting him this week because that will tell you if I trust him. I am starting Debo Samuel this week. Devontae Adams, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb. Oh, yeah, that's right. I moved Chenault to the bench because I'm starting Giovanni Bernard. Giovanni. All right. So depending on the size of your league, I think he's trustworthy. I think that the questions we had about volume with George Kittle involved last year, I think those are mostly put to rest, and I think he's a good upside play week to week. Two wide receiver leagues. I think he's still a little bit iffy to play, though. It was that wishy-washy enough, or did that answer your question? No, I, th- I think that's right on. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if you have more than two wide receivers, go for it. If not, so basically you think he's going to finish uh, below a wide receiver 24? I think he's going to be somewhere between 20 and 30. Okay. So if you're starting him, if if you're starting him in your wide receiver three slot, you're happy. If you're starting him with two wide receivers, you're not going to be happy with, you know, between 20 and 30, you know. But if you have three guys, then you'll take it. You'll take that. So that's kind of where I see him finishing this week. Um. So Evan, you want to know if Cam can be Cam? Yes, we can. Right. And. It started off the year where, hey, you're like, Cam Belichick gets you. He knows how to make you pass a bit and, and, and open you up for some runs. But then the, he played the the Raiders week three and ended up with uh, 13 points in a six-point per passing league touchdown, uh, which wasn't good. You know, then there was the whole injury, and then there was the COVID. And last week he looked like... Someone who hadn't, hadn't a lot, had a lot of consistent practice, where you're like, okay, you still ran for 76 yards in a score, but you threw for 157 yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions. So San Francisco is decent against the pass here. They're not so good against running quarterbacks. Is Belichick going to set a coaching game that forces Cam to throw for those yards, or is he just going to let Cam do the kind of schoolyard ball thing that he's going to do until he gets the practice in, which doesn't result in a top 12 fantasy week for for managers? So that's what I'm watching. I think they're going to do a lot of Cam runs. The The weakness of the 49ers defense is rushing quarterbacks, which sucks. We play Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson four times a year. Uh, but Russian quarterbacks always get their get their number. They play a, a, a you know a lot of man, so that's you know guys with their backs turned, and uh, they can't just spy Fred Warner. He's too valuable to just use him as a quarterback spy. And the other two court uh, the other linebackers there just aren't of that quality. 
Um, they may have argument is uh, that Cam's got the high floor, but he he hasn't on the games he's been running. Do you think that Cam can can run enough to have a top twelve week, or what what are, what are your thoughts? I don't know. Um, I let me look at the numbers. I'm contending the high floor thing. Hold on. Uh, that's the only. That's the only. I just presented that as a counter argument to my argument. So contend it all you want. That rules. <laughs> well, because I think he had what 76 yards and a touchdown on the ground last week. Yes, or exactly. Yeah. So let me take a look at Cam Newton. I mean, I mean, 12. Uh, he's had at least 19.98 fantasy points in three of his four games. Oh, he only played. Yeah. And then he got COVID that one week. So I'm going to contend he does have a high floor, except for weird games uh, like the one I, against I am Vegas. looking at some different numbers. I have him, and this is a six-point passing per touchdown, so it should be inflated, but I have him as getting 13.18 points in one game and 17.98 points in another. I'm looking at Yahoo, um, 25.7, 35.5, and 19.98. So the, the, difference is pro- the difference uh, is probably what you are looking at is probably negative two points per interception instead of negative one point per interception. Well, that shouldn't matter the six points, though, in week three. I'm looking at Yahoo, too. Oh, that's weird. I'll check that out. Well, I'm, I'm looking at a public league. Are you looking at a private league? Yes, but I'm looking at a private league with pretty normal settings. Well, the pretty normal might be the difference there. Right, there might see. be there there might be a slight difference because I'm looking at it. I always look at public leagues here for Cam. Yeah, so you all talk, and I'll just get to the bottom of this. Okay, hold on. Let me double check on FF today. De-de-de. This is the amount of effort we do for you, listeners, because we know that a lot of you own Cam, and we want to make sure you get the most in-depth analysis we can provide. You know what? The FF today has him with seventeen point nine points. FantasyData.com okay. has him with eleven point eighteen. What is going on? <laughs> He has some amount of points. How's yeah. that sound? <laughs> he has between bad and reasonably okay amount of floor. Okay. Anyways, anyways, uh, here's his rushing numbers. Uh, you would take these from a running back as great games. Seven, 75 and 2, 47 and 2, 76 and 1. 27 points is what got him screwed. So I think his running, when he's able to run, 15 attempts, 11 attempts, 10 attempts, that's when he has a high floor. So I think that his legs do give him a high floor. It's just one game he didn't really run as much. The Raiders kind of schemed that away. And I don't think the 49ers really have that in them, if I'm being honest with you, to scheme that away from him. Especially with their starting safeties out. They're not going to be able to – their coverage is going to be a little wonky. They're not going to be able to, like I said, spy use Fred Warner as a spy. They're going to have to use him on um, – you know. Uh, running backs out of the backfield, which that's how they usually use them, but they're just not going to be able to uh, be as creative as they normally would with both Jaquiski Tart and why am I blanking? Jimmy Ward out for the Niners. So I think that Cam will have a high floor this week. I think he'll be fine. A fine start. I think we gave the readers a lot to consider. Yes. Even the uh, listeners. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know who's reading this. Let's go ahead. Let's move on to the last afternoon game. Jacksonville and the Chargers save the worst for last, uh, at least in the afternoon. Uh, 49 point over under. Chargers seven and a half point favorites. And um, I'm going to censor myself. It's not the worst. I'm excited to see Minshew versus Herbert. See uh, see how that goes. For Jacksonville, DJ Chark is limited. LaVisca Chenault is limited with an ankle and a hammy, respectively. They should be okay. There and um, 
For the Chargers, Austin Eckler's hamstring, he'll be back, quote, later rather than sooner. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, breaking news of a different ilk, actual breaking news. The guy who we don't mention, just would like to say, uh, Mike, you said there's going to be a lot of speculation and it might be useless. Uh, he is visiting with Tampa Bay tomorrow. So we'll see how that goes. But in this one, Evan, you want to know if there's some way you can predict when Minshew is going to fix the erratic. And I will tell you no, because he will never fix the erratic. Yeah, this is like staring into the void. But Minshew's, in the in the five games that the Jacksonville's lost in a row, he's been throwing it 44 times a game. Sometimes he's been scoring... Sometimes he's been scoring under 10 points with those, and sometimes he's been scoring over 23 points. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to give it one more try to see if I can make some sense of it. But, yeah, like you said, it's, it's probably just a coin flip. That makes me kind of not feel as excited as I was for LaVisca Chenault. I'm still ex- I'm I'm still good with LaVisca Chenault because okay, he's tell a me vo- back into it. I want to feel the excitement again. I mean, he's talk- a volume guy. I mean, he was never higher than like a wide receiver three, a volume based wide receiver three. And I mean, not much about that has changed. It's been it was one week where that didn't happen. So I don't know what I have to talk you into. I'm just, you know, what he's already done this year has been enough for me. He's gotten six or more targets the last four games. Yeah, exactly. He's a volume play. He's a wide receiver three volume play, and I mean that's that's what he's been. That's um you know what you can expect out of him most weeks. So Mike, Justin Herbert, you want to talk about him? You think it'll be? You think he can make it three straight top twelve performances against this Jags defense? Yeah, um, I'm talking about surprised with Derek Carr. I'm equally surprised with how well Justin Herbert's been playing. Um, the last two weeks he's finished. As the QB7 and QB6, uh, he has only one week of his four performances to not finish in the top 12. That was in week three, uh, and he was a QB15. So it's not even that far off from the QB12. Uh, now he gets the Jaguars, and they're the 21st worst in fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. So he easily should finish in the top 12, and I see him as finishing even in the top seven. Okay. Yeah, and I mean it's uh it's an exciting time there for the Chargers with uh with Herbert and and he seems to have a good relationship with uh Keenan Allen. He developed a nice one with him with uh Mike Williams in the Saints game. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how Justin Herbert goes and if he can um really get it going uh going forward with the uh with the Chargers. So let's go. Ahead, let's move on to Sunday Night Football. Uh, Seattle five and zero, Arizona four and two. This was an afternoon game. It has been moved to a Sunday night game. Fifty six and a half point over under. Seattle three and a half point favorites. Uh, Jamal Adams was a did not practice this week for the Seahawks. For Arizona, DeAndre Hopkins didn't practice all week. He's truly questionable for Sunday, but we saw the same act in week four where he didn't practice all week was listed as truly questionable and then was good to go. Um, so. Mike, you want to know about Lockett, Metcalf, and Nuke Hopkins in this one? All right. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Mute um, button? The mute button. Um, so we, we kind of do this every week, or uh, and I'd like to get your guys' opinion on how they're going to finish. Um, so Lockett, Metcalf, Hopkins. Cardinals are eighth worst, toughest defense. 
to score against, while Seattle's the easiest. Which which order do you guys see them finishing between Lockett, Metcalf, and Hopkins? The reverse of how you have it. Hopkins, Metcalf, Lockett. Um, the only contention for Hopkins is this ankle injury. Christian Kirk is starting to come on, but Nuke Hopkins is still the alpha there. And then for Seattle, I'm just going to not get cute with it. I'm going to keep riding the hot hand and go Metcalf over Lockett. Okay. Evan, what do you think? Uh, Hopkins for sure. Uh, Seattle's bad, and that guy's good. Um, then <laughs> That's hard-hitting analysis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we are, I'm not telling the people anything new, but uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe Lockett will regress towards the mean. and So I'll go Lockett just to switch it up here. Wow, look at that. A lot of hard-hitting analysis based on statistical analysis here. Yeah. I'm going, why not? Actually, I got it different than all you guys. I got Metcalf at number one, Hopkins wow. at two, and Lockett at three. Wow. Um, all right. I mean, I, I, I can't disagree with that. I mean, if I were to say, ask, if someone were to ask me who in this game gets 180 yards and two touchdowns, I would go... That's probably DK Metcalf. So he's got the highest, higher ceiling. Um, I just, you know, was going more chances of being higher. So you could be right, Mike. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah, part of my reasoning was exactly what you're, what you're saying. It seems like they're, they're spreading the ball around more, which they absolutely need to do. And Kirk is sort of getting that benefit of that. <laughs> so I could see them even spreading the ball around even more so. So, um that that was my really my reason why I went with Metcalf. You mean I could be right about New Hopkins after being very wrong about New Hopkins? And that, then being very right, yes. That I will take. Haha, it's a long season. No victory laps here. All right. Evan, will Drake continue his redemption tour? Now are you talking did you not like his last album? Is what's what <laughs> redemption does he need? Oh yeah, I forgot there's another Drake. Uh, but just like you were saying, hey, can I be right after being very wrong? This is an opportunity for me to be wrong after being very right. Uh, and all of us, really. We were not high on Drake, uh, the football player, going into the season. And, uh, and a lot of people who came into the Discord late uh, ended up with them. And, and they, they were disappointed and they realized that we, we had some, some, some good points. So now we're playing with house money. And now Drake is coming back and starting to do well. I'm rooting for him just so those 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 Discord those uh, those uh, absurdists in the Discord get some redemption from. I, I I won my bet. Now let's have you feel good about your, your your players. You know that's what I'm watching for. I'm rooting for the person that I bet against, so I can have my cake and eat it too. This is how you do it. You play both sides, so you always come out on top. Yep, twice even. That's the old sunny uh, sunny move. You play both sides, so no matter who wins, you come out on top. Uh, all right, let's go ahead. Let's move on to Monday Night Football. Chicago and the Rams. This one is a 44.5 point over-under. Rams are six-point favorites. Injuries in this one. Daryl Henderson with a thigh. Tyler Higby with a hand. Both did not practice on Thursday. They're looking good to go for Sunday, though. But monitor that situation as it develops because you might be left in the lurch because it's a Monday game. Luckily, if you have Higby, Everett's pretty low-rostered. Um, and if you have Henderson, um, you could pivot to a Cam Akers or a Malcolm Brown or even a Cordell Patterson if you need uh, just desperation points. But Is put them he in. Practicing? Uh, he did not practice on Thursday with a hand issue that popped up. I didn't yeah. see anything for today yet. 
Okay. It could be, you know, maybe he got his hand smashed in a panini press or something, and it's just a one-day thing. I didn't see any details about it. I hope so. He's my only tight end that I have in my home league right now, so. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, here we go. Uh, just across the, the newswire. Uh, Higby draft. Oh no. Rams tight end Tyler Higby did not practice Friday, but is expected to play Monday against the bears, but there's no further, um, expansion on what this hand injury is. I wonder why they're keeping it kind of a secret. Maybe it's the, like that old episode of the office where Michael Scott steps on the, the foreman grill, but he accidentally put his hand in it. (laughs) It could be it, yes. Or maybe he's got a pet alligator and he was pulling his teeth and the alligator chomped down and he got his pinky and and, uh, they're working on reattaching his pinky. You know, pet alligators will do that. They will do that. Um, But I don't think it's either of those things. (laughs) Yeah, I'll take take that side. I, I, I think that neither of those things are probably likely. No. So, um... So yeah, that's uh that's the injury report for them. And then as far as questions, uh, Mike, you want to know if Cam Akers is fighting for volume fragments, and I think that's a great way to put it, fragments. Yeah. Um. So basically, in week one, Malcolm Brown was dominated with snaps, 44 to Akers 24, and those were the two guys that were getting the carries. I mean, uh, Henderson was not involved at all. Uh, in fact, we were all thinking, okay, Henderson is not even part of this team really anymore. This is going to be a Brown acres backfield. And then acres goes out for the majority of three weeks. He returned in week five, but it's been Henderson who's getting more of the pie than Brown um, over that time. And then now that acres has returned, he's, he's not getting much of anything. So I, I don't, I don't know if it's because they're still worried about his ribs or, or what the situation is all about, but Akers only had one carry, just one, in week six. McVeigh said it was because of game flow. Uh, he said that Brown is a leader in passing situations. Uh, Henderson on other down and distances. He believes uh, McVeigh believes Brown can play all situations, and Henderson and Akers need more experience, confidence, and comfort. So I guess McVeigh is not really liking what he's seeing out of Akers. Um, Henderson is sort of a specialty kind of role. Uh, Akers has only 17 carries since week one, which is seven less than its first game total. So we'll, we'll see how this game goes against Chicago. But it seems to be more of a Henderson-Brown running back committee with Akers getting the leftovers. And there just really isn't much left over. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. He's getting the leftovers, and there's not much left over. So it just sort of is what it is at that point with uh, Cam Akers, truthers like me. So <sighs> bad year for my my truthers. Uh, Zach Moss, Cam Akers, uh, not doing so great this year. Let's round out the questions here before getting on to our DFS lineups with Evan wants to talk about Nick Foles. Come on. Platform for analyzing the rest of the Bears' fantasy output, you know the 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 Allen Robinsons and the to a lesser extent David Montgomerys and to an even lesser extent you know, the Jimmy Grahams out there. But uh, and more importantly, going forward, uh, I'm starting to watch uh, uh, Aaron Donald, who's already been all world, is, is starting to have a bit of a, a real streak going on here. 
And he's playing some teams coming up, Miami, Seattle, Tampa Bay, with, well, not Seattle, but Miami, Tampa Bay, San Francisco, with players you could start or sit based on, you know, they're not, they're not studs. And so I want to see exactly how he's going to disrupt a quarterback who's not very well-versed, because next week, Aaron Donald gets to face off against Tua, and that guy is even less well-versed. And so I just I want to see if I can predict some fantasy implications for the number one wide receivers. Uh, Miami also has a, uh, a number one wide receiver in Parker uh, that's very clear, just like Allen Robinson is clearly the number one in Chicago. I, I want to see uh, what this does for for my ability to to predict what's going to happen exactly when Aaron Donald just starts godzilla all over everybody and yeah, moving forward. All right. Sounds good. So, yeah, that's a good thing to see. And um, the Niners kind of uh, neutralized him last week um, with a backup center. So let's see what that might mean uh, if they found the blueprint going forward um, or if it's the, you know, the Bears are just going to get Nick Foles killed as uh, Aaron Donald Godzilla is everywhere, as you put it. All right, guys. That's that's uh, the week seven preview. You guys ready to do FanDuel? No. Okay, sounds good. Sure. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> All right, Mike, take it away. Oh, do I have to? Well, who won? For that's all I care about. Well, I know that's all you care about, and I care about that I lost. Um, I took oh, the wrong. Who came in second? Really? That's the best. <laughs> Two- Two straight weeks of bronzing is not something I'm looking forward to, but that's basically what ended up happening in week six. I took last place once again. Uh, Silver goes to Evan with his 118.7 points. And then Jeff, the gold medalist, uh, 125.02 points. With the gold there, and then uh, overall, uh, I'm, I'm I have the gold still. I, I'm still cherishing the gold overall. 731 points. Evan is in second, gaining speed. 722, and Jeff just a measly 680 points. Still on the podium, baby. Not for long. What? There's only three <laughs> spots on the podium. You guys can fight over the podium. I'm gonna I'm gonna just silver this way all the way to an aggregate championship. I'm gonna I'm gonna Ruben stutter this thing. I don't know. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Depending on if I have the most points or if I win the weeks the most times, that's who's gonna be the winner. Just so you guys know, that's how we're gonna determine it. Is that how it's determined? Oh, it depends. I I, I will let you guys know when we get closer to the end of the season. Okay, and see exactly where you fall. Exactly. That's the game plan, at least. All right. Game plan. It's a winning game plan. It's you play both sides, and no matter what happens, you come out on top. All right. What is it? Don King said, um, the boxing promoter said, um, it doesn't matter who you go in with, you go you go out with the champion. That's right. That's uh, uh, I prefer Don King Hote. Uh, he is a a a boxing promoter, but it's a. Uh, uh, men of the mancha against windmills. All right, that's enough of that. <laughs> I I wanted to bail on that part way through the sentence, but I couldn't. So, Mike, why don't we talk your DFS lineup for this week with, on FanDuel, fanduel.com slash football absurdity, if you want to set your own uh, FanDuel lineup. Yeah, yes. you know, usually... Oh, ah, I said Mike. I'm so sorry. Look at this guy. 
Look yeah. at this guy. He's, he's a I just hear Evan. Anytime anyone says Evan, I'm like a dog. I just Evan, 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 Evan. Evan. Since Evan's so excited, go go for it, Evan. I I, I want to hear yours. You know this. I usually enjoy this. This was setting. This was probably the, my least favorite thing of the week this time. Uh, I, I I got up at four. 30 a.m. so I could write hot takes from crazy people, which just went live on Football Absurdity. Check out all the hot takes from crazy NFL NFL articles. And I had time left over that I carved out to enjoy setting my DFS lineup before I went and monitored my kids' online school, which is just nonstop tech support for me, and just helped out in the Discord about fantasy football. And then it turns out there was standardized testing today for my kids, so I had Are to... Are making excuses? I had to really watch it. No, I said it. I said it, and I loved it. Okay. And then I, I went on with my day, and I really had to watch my kids because they're doing standardized testing to see what education groups they're going into. So I have to make sure my kids, you know, they're twins. They get away with stuff. They, they check out. They might skip a few questions. I got to make sure they're getting the right one. Well, while I was doing that, Friday die day, bloody Friday happened in fantasy football where people just started getting ruled out left and right and having their appendixes burst. So I'm having to field all these questions in the Discord, having to keep an eye on my twins and being like, well, half the people that died today, they're on my daily fantasy roster. So I've patched together with spit and band-aids a team here that I'm hoping does something. And I'm I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I don't look at it now and be like, what is that? Why did I do that? Because I was doing it on the fly with like 1% of my brain here. So starting off, uh, I'm a quarterback. Give me Josh Allen against the, Giants, the Jets. I don't know. That feels pretty safe, even though he's limiting his receivers. He stepped up this year, and he has got some some quality weapons. He still has Diggs as number one. And then I'll take Alvin Kamara for $9,300, which was uh, the highest cost player who's actually playing. I think CMC cost more. Uh, why not? It's Kamara. We're done here. Uh, Kareem Hunt for 7100 seemed pretty cool since, uh, you know, Chubb's still out and they're playing Cincinnati. And you can get around Cincinnati's tough defensive line by doing some swing passes and some, some slants and whatnot. I don't know. That's that's all I saw of that narrative. Uh, Terry McLaurin for 71. Like I said, he seems to be becoming familiar with Allen. They're playing Dallas. I would think that this is going to be a high-volume game for him. Uh, give me Galladay for $7,600. Give me Galladay until they figure out, until he starts doing well enough that they start rating him for mid-8,000s. Because I, I love Galladay. And I know he's going to break out any week now. And then for my third wide receiver, how about Cole Beasley? I talked about it earlier. I guess he might be the number two option on Buffalo, which should have a decent floor. Maybe he could break out. He was only 5,100, too. And that left not too much left. Uh, at tight end, I, I just put an Njoku. I had Cooper in there. Uh, Njoku costs 4500 And so with Cooper out, maybe they'll feed Njoku. It's $4,500. It's a tight end. I didn't really think about it too hard. And then Flex, though, I did think about this different, uh, much more. The Saints' Michael Thomas is out. Emmanuel Sanders, I don't know if he's ruled out yet. I haven't checked that, but I think he's going to be ruled out. It's not looking good for Emmanuel he's Sanders. He's out. He got out? Yeah, okay. He's got COVID. He's got COVID. So Traquan Smith at $5,300 looks to be one of those those bargains you look for in FanDuel because they don't change – or any DFS because they don't change the prices much dynamically for week to week. So late injuries can give you some steals. And give me the bills for $5,000 against the Jets. What, what the heck? Don't overthink it here. So Josh Allen, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Terry McLaurin, Kenny Galladay, Cole Beasley, David Njoku, Traquan Smith, and the Bills defense. Thank you. Okay, you are welcome. Mike, what about you? 
Okay, a quarterback going with Matt Ryan, 7,800. Oh, Battle of the Mats. Battle of the Mats, taking it to the mat. Uh, Todd Gurley and Alvin Kamara at running back. Gurley is only 6,600, and Alvin Kamara, as Evan said, is the high price point at 93. Wide receivers, Will Fuller, 69. Devontae Adams, 89. And Christian Kirk. As I was explaining earlier, I think they're going more and more to Christian Kirk. 5,400, kind of cheap receiver to get Alvin Kamara in there and Devontae Adams. Tied in, TJ Hawkinson, 5,900. Flux, T. Higgins, 57. I was actually kind of surprised because I I, I think Higgins is definitely – Creating a big role for himself and against that Cleveland pass defense. And then you have, at defense, the Houston Texans. It was the lowest I, th- I think I could find at 3,500. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I just kind of threw them out the window and it's like, okay, I got enough here. I don't really need a defense. Uh, I don't recommend people picking up this defense at all. Uh, there's a reason why they're at 3,500. So Texans is my defense. Hey, that junk quarterback they're playing against threw two interceptions last week, and one of them was a pick six. So who knows? That's very true. I, I'll take a pick six. There you go. So, all right. So I said battle of the mats because let me start my lineup. I have Matthew Stafford in that shootout with the Falcons. So, uh, Mike, I will be rooting for – oh, no, there's no part of the Falcon side that works for me. No, because you're going to have either Gurley <laughs> or Matt Ryan. I need lots of uh, end-arounds to guys like uh, uh, Calvin Ridley. That'll work. All right, so I got Stafford. Then we got Kamara across the board. Um, I got James Conner in there um, for this week against the Titans. Christian Kirk, we have uh, Mike. We have him in common. Um, Evan, we both have Kenny Galladay. I have Tyler Boyd. Uh Evan or Mike, same game, 6,000 bucks for Tyler Boyd. I went with instead of uh, Higgins and we both got, we're going to rock Hawk with, we're going to rock out with our Hawk out. Mike, I had to hit that H very hard. Um, <laughs> I got TJ Hawkinson as tight end. My flex is Justin Jackson and Evan. We have the bills DST in common. So I'm going to be rooting this week. It uh, looks like against Kareem Hunt, Terry McLaurin, Cole Beasley, David Njoku, Trey Smith. Fuller, Adams, and Gurley. Yeah, we've been mind melding lately, and it's increased our our it's it's we've been catching up to Mike. So yeah, that that is no longer going to be the case anymore. I I got to maintain my distance. I let you guys come back and have a little fun, but now two weeks, that's all I can afford. <laughs> um. So there is a, a breaking news about the guy we can't talk about um, and the Buccaneers. But I have a feeling next time we talk, the embargo will be over from what I'm seeing. So uh, next time next time we talk, we'll see how that goes. But for now, yeah. thank, thank you for listening to the Week 7 preview of the Football Absurdity podcast. The next time we talk, it will be Week 8, boys, halfway through the NFL season. I'm excited. This one's been a frustrating one. I'm not sure how you guys are feeling. I mean, Evan was just talking about how nice and easy today was for him. So we'll see how that goes going forward. But if you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. We will be back on Tuesday in the bonus feed uh, with the answers to these questions and then the Thursday night football preview. So for Mike, for Evan, this is Jeff. Thanks for listening. Take care and you have a good one. Bye. Bye-bye.